Welcome to the Corporate Legal Ops Consortium podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with technology and legal ops thought leaders from across the ecosystem. This is Clock Talk. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix legal operations and technology team. Today's episode is from the Clock Talk podcast lounge we set up at Clock's 2022 Global Institute where Tommy Ferreira, now head of legal ops at Cedar, turned the interview on me. She asked me things like how I got into the role, how they couldn't pay me to go to law school, and other fun jobs I've had along the way. We also discussed what prior experience makes for a successful career path in legal ops. Answer, there's no one answer. And we're not done drawing career path endpoints here. What an exciting time to be in the legal operations and technology industry. Also jumping on the episode is Adrian Schall, Director of Legal Ops at Cloud Software Group. Enjoy. We have a real podcast set up in our podcast lounge, Clock Talk, in the house at 2022's Global Institute. I would like to welcome on to the podcast my very special guest, Tommy Ferreira. I just want to say Ferrari. You did that. I did that with Sheena Ferrari. Sheena's last name is Ferrari. So I just call her Rari. And then when I see her, I go skirt. But I can't skirt with Ferreira. So Tommy Ferreira, welcome onto the podcast. My pleasure to be here. You could skirt when you see me too. Okay. When I see you from now on, skirt. We're going to skirt right <laughs> into it. Okay. How are you finding the conference? This is your first live clock conference. You've done virtual in the past. First live and in person. Mm-hmm. So really impressed with how well produced this is, how engaging it is. Yeah. There is a lot of really cool content, even cooler yeah. people. Even cooler people. Even cooler people. And I do have to say there's no shortage of things to learn here. Yeah. It's been incredible. Tell me something That really is a highlight for you. Like what is striking you in terms of a one learning? So I think it's these like small takeaways, like these one line things that you hear. There will be an entire hour and a half and then someone says this one line or something and it's like, well, you don't exactly need to do like what your vendor's telling you to do. You can take this and do this a different way or you can get creative and it's like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, so it's these one line takeaways. They're easily digestible and then you can put them into practice pretty easily really enjoying that we were saying on a podcast earlier the small things are huge yep are atomic and can get you to new places unintentionally or just being open and trying those new things new ways yeah they're inspirational bite-sized quips that are memorable and you take them with you you know i haven't been sitting there sort of in my laptop taking every note and then i get this one little bite-sized mantra almost. And I'm like, but I'm going to take that and I'm going to go and I'm going to take that and I'm going to do something with it. You and I were kind of riffing at dinner last night on just how much room there is for creativity in this industry and legal ops and legal technology. Of course, like you introduce software to things and sky becomes the limit. I mean, look at our software-based lives. You work at Peloton. (laughs) I work at Netflix. We were momentary darlings of COVID and We're in a different spot business-wise right now, but my goodness, the power of software and the creativity, but just back to this industry and the creative spirit going on across us all right now. I mean, you're feeling it. Oh yeah. I mean, first of all, clock is a vibe Mm -hmm. and I don't know 
because I have only ever done this digitally. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, is this always this infectious? Yes. Like what? The group has always had a prereq for hype machine, banging the drum, pulling people together and threading them into one. That's been my observation ever since the first Institute 2016. When I went to that one, it was 500 attendees, maybe five mm-hmm. to six total in San Francisco. And I was like, holy cow, this is massive. Yeah. And now to be 4,000 members globally, but I think we had about 2,500 people come. That is, let's see, let's do some quick math on no sleep for 406. Well, if you were 500 at the first one and you're 2,500 here. 4X. Thank you for Mm -hmm. walking me through that. You got got it. Yeah. My artistic brain is on. So the math (laughs) brain is upstairs asleep, but yeah, 4Xing. So I think when you grow the size of it and maintain that energy, it's just becoming, again, just huge. And let me ask you a question here. Why do you think, so legal as an institution, or at least it was so stodgy, there was not a lot of progression there. Some of that, in my opinion, is because the law was something based on precedent. And therefore, it was just this institution that did not have any sort of motivation to evolve. It was, we do it this way because we've always done it, or we look at the precedent in law. And so legal ops is very different than what a sort of legal classically was. And it's very evident here that legal ops is filled. It is a space filled with creative people. Why do you think creative people have found themselves so attracted to legal ops? Well, to your point, the legal institution is old. It's been around a minute. <laughs> just a, a, just minute. a moment. At, at least 170 years. And you said it well. And I've heard Alex Sue say this to me recently in, in our chats. Legal is an industry based on precedent, mm-hmm. on the past. How do we do things on those past decisions and court rulings and how we do things is how we get it done. Yep. And it makes sense for the practice of law itself. So, of course, the industry would come up around that and honor it. And they revered Supreme Court justices of certain mindsets, et cetera. It's just a reverent of the passive precedent worshiping industry and respect for that. I love the past. And we have to understand the past so much as humans and people to go into the future. Right. And I have so much respect for that. When it comes to legal ops people, we are people of the future. We are about scale. We're always thinking about the five-year mark. Where do we help steer this tool, this process, this application, anything in this legal department in five years, 10 years, two years, I'm barely present. I'm there for in the first three months and then I'm always out front and explaining to my team even, I'm doing this because I'm trying to think about where we are five years from now. And that's kind of what the technology world puts beneath us. It's the undergirdle of technology. It's futuristic, doing things better, doing things more automated, better software tools like these iPhones, et cetera. So there's a tension in those two worlds coming Mm -hmm. together. And it's the tension of that pulling at one another that is creating this force in the middle. That is what I think you're highlighting. We are the force. We're the force in the the middle of these two wonderful tensions that oppose and it's career safety forever. (laughs) I mean, we just move them along incrementally, right? I'm not trying to turn the legal department upside down. I'm I'm trying to get them from A to B and I focus 90% of my time on understanding their A. Yeah. And sure, we know what Z is. 
will you be at Peloton and I be at Netflix hitting Z? Perhaps. Yeah. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But I have not hit Z at any of my past legal ops jobs yet, but I've had a blast owning B through G at Spotify. Yep. And it's Cisco felt like W through Z back around through A through yeah. F. We came back through and, and we're replacing legacy systems with the third CMS. That's how mm-hmm. far along they were. So you get to be on the journey at some point and it's so exciting. Yeah, it is a journey. And I think two things. One is that technology is literally in your title. So I think that because we're folks who are doing a lot with technology, we have to always be thinking about the future. We can't sort of solve for the moment because if we solve for the moment, we have not sort of done our jobs, right? Like we've got to move things along so that they're supporting that scale. And the other is law firms. Even though we're in-house people, I suspect law firms, especially if they work by the billable hour, don't necessarily want efficiencies, right? Because some people think, and theoretically, when we say that, sure, some don't, or maybe they're not incentivized. I would say there is a disconnect between the incentivization, but I think that's why we find maybe, and I do see legal ops showing up in law firms these days, but I do think maybe some in-house people might be a little bit far ahead on the journey because we do have less to work with. We're oftentimes putting technology together with what we have. It depends on the journey. And I stopped by Mayor Brown's booth today and took just an incredible pitch from them on what they're doing in terms of LPM, legal project management, process innovation, and being able to line up to any legal ops team as their main clients and be of service and be a service org to this service org, which we're a service org to legal, the service org to the business. And then when you think about law firms, when it comes to knowledge management, they've been ahead and they do it well. They do it effectively. They can get to Z knowledge management in law firms in ways in-house. I struggle to. I'm always only a couple legs on the journey. So they're ahead there and we always have things to learn from. And then I've told you this over dinner and drinks. One of my partners, my biggest partners in the budget that I run for Netflix Legal Ops is a law firm offshoot. (laughs) And so we at some point almost need to forget about the label of law firm and just find your partners out there wherever they are. Do they think like you? Do they read your mind? Do they blend in your meetings when you're doing your project work? There might not be enough legal service providers in terms of like tech vendors or the consultancies to get you there. Or you might spark with one at dinner. And if they're at a law firm, do a POC. See what they throw at you. What if they throw something at you and your lawyers happen to use them for other things and the budget can bend and ply that way? I don't know. I've had a 180 and I look at them all as partners and we should be giving them more of those opportunities. Well, I think everyone that we work with and especially anyone that we pay, think of them as partners. I love that. I love that creative engagement. See, we're creatives in this space. Yes, we are creating. So what do you think about career paths that are starting to show up now? Legal Ops was, well, there were paralegals, there still are. And then Legal Ops came and I think it's really finding a space now. I think people are really seeing the value. I think GCs are reading law reviews and starting to see like, oh, I might be missing out on something if I don't have my Legal Ops person, right? And we've even seen an evolution there where it started and there's different types of legal app roles. Like you have more of that technology, but then there's also that chief of staff role. Like where do you see that we came from and where do you think we're going? 
we came from a few versions of this. And what I saw in Mary O'Carroll's role, Steve Harmon's, Connie Brenton's role, Steph Corey's role, some of the other founders of CLOCK and some of the other legal ops movements that sprung up in Chicago and in the banks in New York. And it started around outside council management because it's a large budget item. Yep. And then if they had tech chops or had an engineering brain, like Steve Harmon has an undergrad degree in electrical engineering, but went to law school, but never super practiced. He was always that engineer brain. <laughs> So he goes, I'll run the IT. I'll run the IT project and took that on. So this stuff started there. But then when you mentioned like the roles, you have paralegals, you have technologists. My first title was paralegal slash contracts compliance manager slash technologist slash legal assistant. Like what the heck did, is that? Did you fit that on a business I card tried and the like, card was basically a panoramic. How long was that? It was long. I, when the box came, I was like, is this a panoramic? <laughs> It was my real first title. So I think we see a lot of that in the beginning slash titles. And then we find our groove over time. I'll say something borderline simplistic, but the paralegals of 2022 forward over the next eight to 10 years, here's your choice. You have choices. Yes. Your path is going to fork into two directions, paralegals. And you get to make the choice when all this tech and process and automation goes in, you can go left and go, I want to be a drafter when I grow up. I want to take a deal playbook and learn how to negotiate without a JD and maybe become a contract negotiator, viable career path. They make great money. That's what they want. And I meet them all the time. And I'm like, more power to you. Go young squirrel. And I say, (laughs) go left. For me, that's not my team. I don't look to staff lawyers unless they're like the recovering kinds who are now maybe technologists. And then the right path is, oh, I'm that problem solving. I'm the slash everything else. I'm that problem solver. I don't need to be inside the four walls of a contract. I want to be around the four walls of the contract, pulling that data into that data lake, putting it into ironclad CLM, putting it into a workflow, making it move faster, ship it, scale, give me the next problem to solve. And you're becoming really like contractor, legal ops, coordinators, analysts, technologists, and you can grow that career path up from there. That's one way I look at the fork of paralegals, which you and I have started there and cut our teeth there. Yeah. And you were generous enough to come give us half a day at Peloton and talk with my team of paralegals and program managers. And I just want to say that for the folks who weren't there that day, like my team's mind was blown that there was a ceiling that existed that they didn't know they can blow right through now. And I think it was really helpful to hear, whoa, there's a whole other space there with this whole other area that I consider dip my toe in. And and then the sky really is the limit because this is an area that we're all building right now. What I just said, the fork, I've never said that out in the industry. I only say it to Netflix people. Yeah. When I describe who I am, why I'm here, you're the new paralegal, you're the new, maybe we call them contract managers, contract management professionals. Yeah. Interchangeable terms. And I say like, you'll have a choice in another year when all this stuff is on fire to go to better places in the career map and you choose your higher value work you want to do. And we're going to grow you in one of those two directions. Let's go. Yeah. And I started as a paralegal. I grew into contracts management from there, but I remember feeling, and this is at least 10, 12 years ago, like, well, I'm not going to grow into a lawyer and I'm not going to go to law school. Like, oh no, what do I do? Right. It was that moment of panic. And then just a few years later, I luckily had a GC who knew about this legal ops thing that I didn't even know. And it was, what is this world? So it really is evolving right now. And it's evolving so much so that people like you, Alex, Sue, a couple other folks 
are now becoming legal ops influencers. I'm like, what happened? All I did was I stopped talking on Instagram (laughs) and I started talking into LinkedIn with the same Same tone of voice, same approach as candid, funny, whimsical and serious and vulnerable sometimes and, and reminding people like, hey, that presentation you saw, I did 480 rehearsals on it. That's my formula for success. And I still get nervous. Sharing more of the professional dynamism in, in this that we all need to be seeing and sharing with one another. So yeah, if that's influencing, then I guess that's what's happening. I think bringing your authentic self to anything is obviously yeah. like essential to growth. And so I think what we're just seeing generally in the marketplace is people are getting more comfortable being their organic selves. And that is evolving, I think, into influencing. But don't sell yourself short. You are very much a legal ops influencer. Oh, thanks. And to your question, the bigger question here, that is another branch off the tree of this career, that forest that's sprouting up beneath us. And it used to kind of center on become chief of staff to the general counsel in-house. Yep. And then Mary left in house and went to Ironclad. We're like, that's not chief of staff. She's chief community officer at CLM, a contract management solution, Ironclad. And she's killing the game, redefining a new role. My old boss, Steve Harmon, went to Elevate as general counsel. Their legal services provider has been promoted at least three times and is now chief operating officer at a company that does quite well and scales departments like yours and mine. It's incredible. COO, he's running ops for a business that is a law business, but it's beyond legal ops. Connie Brenton, another founder of Clock, she forked, I heard recently, and landed in a strategic ops role for the company, NetApp, for the corporation. So yeah. talk about, it's a level up. And that's what I mean by we're not done. And Could I go and do influencing? Could I go work at a vendor? Of course I can. It's been one of my options for years that I almost went to on my way to Netflix. And (laughs) I was on my way to the vendor and Netflix, Netflix me. There was a spark there I had to go pursue and there are no mistakes. So here we are, but it's still being drawn. Venture capital money has been growing in our space. So there's room for all of us to create roles, take a role and then create it up even further. Yeah, that's what we're saying, right? We saw the paralegals. We saw the contract managers. They leveled up to ops. We saw ops level up to chief of staff. We're seeing chief of staff level up to a proper C title somewhere else in the business. Like that is wholly inspirational for us. We're ending up in the C-suite from these legal options. Like this is incredible, but we really are running these legal departments. So it does make sense when you sort of make the connection. Yeah. And then for me, I became director of legal ops at Netflix. I earned that promotion there. Yeah. And that was one of the most significant career moments for me yeah. because I don't have a JD. Cisco yeah. offered to pay me to go to law school or fund the JD and give me a job after. I said, no, thanks. Yeah. Got anything else? Legal ops? I'll go with those weirdos. And same, same. Yeah. Yeah. So when they made me a director, which is the beginnings of exec ranks yeah. at a lot of companies, I was like, wow, I don't have a JD. And the level of ceilings that we break through and biases and ranking bias and all of that hierarchy that exists in the legal institution was a real moment for me. And I'm not done. And I have a great deal with my manager on like, look, I told him, actually told him once in a development combo, you know, I want a bigger stage. And I use that analogy that I use a lot. And he goes, yep. 
<laughs> and I'm like, look, this is wonderful. You are giving me an amazing platform to yep. work with this amazing forward thinking department with the Netflix culture behind us. But I've got headroom. I know that. And I yeah. believe in myself. If you don't, just tell me now so yeah. that we know where we stand and I can plan my career then in a different direction. And yeah. he's like, no, 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 we're good. You're good. It's a sit put. And I see you and I know that and let's keep building. And that's how I drive those kinds of combos too in my own growth, which we all have to be in the driver's seat on and challenge your leadership, your managers into having those combos if they're not being had. And so you all know where each other are. You are. And if you're not where you want to be, don't sweat it. There's so much growing around us. Just get out, talk a clock, share your ideas. Someone will scoop you. I mean, our ideas are infectious is really what happens in this community. And maybe that's why the vibe here is so infectious this week. 100%. We are not done drawing this thing. No. Tommy, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hijacking the microphone. Yeah. Turning it back on me. This is what I do. This is what you do. I think we have to do this again on the podcast in real life. And for those who don't know, this is not scripted. No, when no. We're off script. I've never even put... You've never, a, have you ever podcasted? No, I've never She's, even done this before. She shows up today just like... Coming in hot. A big popular pro vibes. Thank you for bringing it. And then I think we can close the last couple minutes here by bringing on a special legal ops guest who's in the house as well. One of our in-house members. This is fantastic. Please come join us. Adrian. Adrian's also first timing into podcasts. Adrian, tell us your full name and where you work and where in this United States you're based. Sure. I'm Adrian Shaw, director of yes. legal operations at Tibco Software. It's based in Palo Alto. I personally have the luxury of working from home in lovely Pacifica, California. Pacifica. Yeah. Where is that? I'm new to California. It's a teensy beach town just south of San Francisco. Oh, Amazing. Gonna, you came on this podcast to tell me you see the beach like almost every day. Mm, yeah, a little flex. flex. Oh, yeah. flex. She's just flexing <laughs> beach vibes. Well, she sure I, is. I'm jealous. Are you, Tommy, getting jealous California dreams vibes? No, I'm a New Yorker through and yeah, through. You're like, you two are boring. I'm wearing love... all black and I live in New York. <laughs> I I'm... love to visit your state. Okay. She, she, she can come visit. Can she could do Northern Cal with you. Yeah. No Cal, LA so, with me. So Cal, yeah. I'm originally from New York. Upstate New York. Come on, where? Okay. Uh, I know upstate, like the front, back, sides, and every crack of my hand. I'm from... Wait for it. Wait, do we drum roll the table? Drum roll, please. Tommy and I are from Westchester County. And you grew up about, I don't know, 20 miles north of New York City? A little bit. Yeah, like 20 miles. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up 50 miles north of the city in Mayapak. You're from New Rochelle. And tell us where you grew up. A little town called Burke, New York. What county? Franklin County. Yeah. There were cows nearby. Yep. Yes. For I sure. grew up on a dairy farm. Oh, she grew up on a dairy farm. Kind of incredible. I probably drank the milk. I drank yeah. the whole milk. That's a tip. Yeah. Thank you. I'm very tall because of your dairy farm. Exactly. Yeah. Calcium. Wow. My goodness. We have three New York at this, this is, table. Uh, not only that, but like, how, how did this happen? I didn't know how this happened. New York, New York, the Empire State. How long since you left New York? Oh, gosh. Just over five years. Oh, so not that long. Yeah. Oh, so you are not a Californian, yeah. No. And you're not wearing yet. all black busted. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, as yeah. you can see, if there, again, if there were visuals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So upstate New York, where'd you go to college? 
St. Lawrence University. That's up in the North Country. It is. Like near yeah. the lakes. Exactly. Yeah. So every high school in that area got a $100,000 scholarship and I got the one for my high school. Nailed so it. I'm going deep with you because this is so fascinating. That I know cool. New York so well. Where'd you go to high school? Franklin Academy. Goodness. Yeah, Malone, New York. Go Huskies. Go Huskies. <laughs> it's so funny. So when you're a musician yeah. for a living... You work a slew of random jobs. Yeah. Random. And graphic design was something I did on the tour van for the band, all of our artwork, et cetera. Learned that. Photography was something I did for a minute because, look, I'm an artist, artist in residence. And I worked in an upstate New York photography studio for a minute because I was in a band in the Berkshires. (laughs) Story for another time. And this photography studio sent me to every high school in upstate New York only and Ohio. Ohio. So I would sit in a high school and a college for six hours a day and take the yearbook portraits. No, you did not. Yeah. And they would look into the camera and I'd be like, okay, now look right off camera. I actually take a decent portrait now on the iPhone. And I would say to them, I would say this, I would say, look into your future and snap. And that was their high school oh photo, me. Mm-hmm. So I probably came to your high school and took your high school I, photo. I want to learn that you oh, took her high yeah. school photo. Yeah. We, like, we should, we'll do some forensics. Oh my goodness. New York State. My heart, my empire soul. So speaking of building empires, <laughs> you're in California. You're doing legal ops. We're talking about careers. What was your starting point? Were you the paralegal slash that blossomed up? Do you have a JD? Are you recovering? I got my degree in computer science. Oh, engineer okay. brain. Okay, guys. All right. This works. She Just sees this. zeros. She sees ones. This is on you brand. Can, you can code something. Yeah, I haven't used it in a few years, okay. but I, I mean, well, there's always something that'll come up, write a little script sure. to, to get a list okay. of files or something. Yes. You're the person that writes their own script. Mm-hmm. I'm the person that convinces someone the, the to you. Write. Yeah. Yeah. So you took coding classes in college. Yeah. I love yeah. this. So your brain works that way and we need you. The coders are the Picassos of software. I mean, all of it, basically. All of it. Thank Everything you. that we're doing. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Did you have a favorite coding language? I just love Java because I started on Java. Okay. I feel like it's it's like the the old thing now. It like it's like dated or something. It's still yeah, around. But Java's like, still kicking. It's still around. But yeah, like people are like Python and yeah, everything. You know, like, everything's uh, like yeah. went more that way. Exactly. I mean, what's your favorite coding language? You know, I was about to say I wasn't a coder. One would expect that I was, but I do know the HTML language. Oh wow. Like a, Hypertext markup language. Back of my hand. You're going to like bracket, bracket? I'm going to put it in quotes. I'm going to bracket it. I'm Mm -hmm. going to do it. I'm impressed. Yeah. Okay. I bet you made a couple band websites. You know I did. Yeah, you were in the music industry too. You know I did. I might have made my own. No brag, no brag. No brag, no brag. (laughs) My favorite coding language. I took a few in my business major. Had us take some coding. And I fell in love with object-oriented program Mm -hmm. because it's, it works with my art science brain, yeah. visual basic for life. Oh, you yeah. guys, if I had to get a tattoo uh, yeah. of one coding Please language do. on my bicep, it would be VB. Please And do. it was Microsoft oh, yes. and I would still get it. That's how good <laughs> that language was. And I just like, you know, the meme, you know, the gif of the woman that looks up and the numbers and the algorithms are yes. going. That's me, but with visual basic. Can we double click on gif though? Yeah. Why do we say it oh, that we're way? Going there. I, I just All right, let me, need someone to explain that to me. Adrian, are you a jiffer? Are you a giffer? Or giffer. Because gift is gift. 
I think I'm a GIF. Oh, Adrian, as they say in Philadelphia. (laughs) Adrian! I just want to know why. You're outnumbered. Scott, GIF versus GIF? Oh, we got a Uh, GIF. Now we're split with our producer in the room. And Mrs. Scott for the tie vote. You said GIF? Well, sounds like I won. (laughs) So interestingly, this is an onboarding exercise I make my team do. I make my team do a five-minute presentation, members individually, when they join. Who's your diva? Where are you from? Mm -hmm. What's your karaoke song? Top three TV shows of all time. Are you a gif? Are you a jiffer? And we keep score and everyone competes and it gets, it's like getting bloody now. And I'll tell you, I have a sample set now of maybe 15 of us that have done the presentations Mm -hmm. and it's, it's usually tied. It's usually a split. Split down the middle. We're split down the middle, basically. I started as a giffer and yeah. Steve Wilhelm came out in 2011 and said, it's Jif at the, he took an award or something. And so in honor of him, I changed yeah. to be a part of the movement I'll, of reality. I will staunchly follow the rules. I will. I'll I do it. Not I just want to know why. That's all. All right. Well, mm-hmm. I think we're going to podcast part two when we're back in real life. Please can we? And we're going to pick it up there. But I love this. So computer engineer background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your major in? Media, society, and the arts. Oh, from a liberal arts college. Okay. Oh, you went to purchase. All right. We talked about that. I mean, I really kept it as close to Westchester. Yeah, well, you didn't leave. My parents tried to make me go to purchase. They're like, you're weird. Why not go here? And I was like, I'm going to Sarah Lawrence. Yeah, right. (laughs) And I said to them, anything you say, I won't do. So I'm going to SUNY Albany. And that's what got me upstate for a couple of years in a, Stone's throw from where you grew up. Mm-hmm. Not taking really, headshots at high schools. Taking headshots at high schools and colleges across the land while I was in college and then started touring in bands. Amazing. It was so weird. But if anyone needs a headshot and we're at a party, my photo is going to win. Yeah. Okay. And then I'll make it a gif of you <clears throat> with the video I take. Like how I did that full mm-hmm. circle. So oh. media, arts, society. Yeah. Computer science. Mm-hmm. I was a business admin and economics Yours is major. Closest, actually. Closest, the yeah. Closest it's funny. Ops. The circle came around after the music thing. And yeah. I was like, all right, let's do this business thing. All right, I'm going to go get a real job. Yeah, but I was building macros in Excel in college, like mini applications and stuff. Like I was kind of rug in Excel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Well, I love hearing where you started, Adrian, because we're really trying to show people you can start from anything and we're not done drawing the endpoints. Mm-hmm. What's your dream endpoint? Before we wrap up today, where do you want to drive this role to? Are you going to be the chief technologist somewhere? You want a chief of staff it? You want to just legal ops manager it and wait for us to figure it out and we'll check back in next year. We'll awesome. tell you where you're going to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just love legal ops. So, I mean... I love being at TIPCO. We're actually potentially merging with Citrix. Cool. So we'll see what happens oh, there. Big tech, you know, big tech shop. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think just wherever I land, I think it's just it's such a interesting landscape that you're just I, in it. You're just I, on the ride right now. You're, like. you're having fun no matter what. My boss asked me on day two of Peloton. She said, I just want to touch. Where do you want to go with yeah. your career? And I go, this is going to be a really unsatisfying answer. But I'm all about the journey. I'm here to see where we go. You and I figure out where we're going, right? It sounds like you're on that journey. I love this. I'm on the journey with you both. So I just love where it 
keeps taking us. Yeah. And let's all check back in in yeah. a year oh, or later on the podcast. Only if it's in upstate New York on a dairy farm. I will That's call. Right. So my sister lives on a farm in Saratoga Springs now. It's a horse farm. I'll take it's it. No dairy. No. Actually, there's Please. a dairy farm next door. And oh. here we are. And here the podcast are. goes on the road. And the podcast <laughs> is on the road in upstate New York. Thank you both for coming on today. This was so much fun. Thank you, John. Thank you. That about wraps up this episode of Clock Talk. Thank you, Tommy and Adrian, for sharing your backgrounds and thoughts here. You can catch this and all episodes of Clock Talk anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time.